This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. I am Ben Coates, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers, and joining me on the line from lovely, lovely Alberta, Canada, in March, my good colleague David Shane. Dave, what's up? Not much. Just trying to thaw out a little bit here. It's a chilly trip, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, Dave and I are executing uh, what we call in the biz a cold swap because he's in Canada. I'm about to go to Minnesota where the Golden Knights are going to play the Minnesota Wild on Thursday. Dave just watched them play in lovely Winnipeg, Calgary, and Edmonton. We're going to get to how the Golden Knights did on that trip, how they might do moving forward. But first, I want to remind you that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by SPN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. Today, we are presented by Untucket. Uh, also, make sure to check out all our Golden Knights coverage at ReviewJournal.com. And, you know, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do with podcasts, please do to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Uh, so as I mentioned briefly off the top there, the Golden Knights coming off uh, an important three games on the road in Canada. Uh, and Dave, I'll just start out with this. Three games, all against potential first-round playoff opponents for the Knights so far. A bunch of changing standings. March hockey is fun, isn't it? Yeah, those games were like quite playoff games, but but getting close. You know, like you could tell the atmosphere was getting a little bit more ratcheted up. You can tell the players are, you know, just a little more locked in, a little more serious about everything. Um, I don't remember, maybe it was Chandler Stevenson that had mentioned something um, after the Winnipeg game about how, you know, they made some mistakes in that game that in the quote-unquote regular season wouldn't necessarily be a problem, but that at this time of year, it becomes magnified. I thought that was interesting that he's basically almost saying that this is playoff time, that they're in playoff mode right now. Yeah, and they're in playoff mode because the standings are just so, so tight. You know, not just in the Pacific Division, but in for sure the Western Conference in terms of the wild card race and really across the NHL. The Golden Knights, uh, as we're recording this, just came off a crucial back-to-back in Alberta against the Flames and the Oilers, and they earned the full four points, though it took some late-game heroics for that to happen. Defenseman Shea Theodore scored a game-winning goal with 1-10 remaining against the Flames on Sunday. Then he scored an overtime last night against the Edmonton Oilers, which gives the Knights a three-point lead in the Pacific as we're recording right now. Though the Oilers do have a game in hand. The Knights have 11 games remaining. The Oilers have 12 
So yeah, Dave, what was kind of the reaction from the Golden Knights when they were able to do this, not once, but twice in a back-to-back, where against a division rival, they were able to get the late goal, get the win, and earn crucial points in the standings? Yeah, I mean, I think the Calgary game especially was important because they won it in regulation. And they didn't allow Calgary to gain any ground on them. That turned into a true kind of four-point game. Um, with that swing, obviously they weren't able to uh, do that in Edmonton, but they were still able to get the two points. I just think they all, they, you know, to talk to, to Pete DeBoer afterward, talk to any of the players, they just understand how, how precious any of these points are right now. And especially after the Winnipeg game where they felt like they didn't play real well in front of Marc-Andre Fleury. To get the full four points out of the, the Alberta swing, it, it's huge. I mean, it's like you said, it's a three-point lead. They've got 11 games left. Edmonton's got 12. I mean, you can do all the math and stuff. I mean, if the Knights go like 500 the rest of the way, they're at 97 points, and it really forces Edmonton to have to play well down the stretch. It's going to force Calgary to play even better down the stretch. I mean, it's almost like the the easiest way to think about it for me is to think about it in terms of what would have happened had they not got the full four points. And, And looking at it in that perspective and how tight it is, and now you see the cushion... Now you see they've put themselves in a spot to, you know, I mean, probably be the favorite here to uh, to close out the division. Obviously, you know, they've still got to go through Canada one more time, um, play all these three teams along with Vancouver. They play Arizona twice, uh, still some more tough games in there. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, I mean, at least for right now, three and a half weeks out this weekend and, and these last two games, massive. Yeah, no, the Knights have put themselves in a really nice position here should mention quick off the top too, that they're still doing this without Mark stone, who, as we talked about last week on the podcast, you know, is out. He's week to week with a lower body injury. So while the Oilers didn't have a very important player uh, named Connor McDavid last night, he was out with an illness. The Knights were out were without a very important player too, as they gained that three point lead. Um, And as you mentioned, it's a lot of division games, a lot of tough games still remaining on the schedule. This is not kind of now a waltz to the finish line for the Knights. They do go back to Edmonton, which is going to be a crucial, crucial game that the Oilers are probably going to have to win in order to make up some ground in the standings. They go back to Winnipeg, who beat them uh, 4-0 to start this road trip for the Knights. they got to go back to Calgary and Vancouver, too, as well as go to, you know, I was going to talk about at Minnesota. They have to go at Colorado soon it's a lot of division games a lot of games against potential playoff opponents uh which is interesting because as channel stevenson kind of mentioned to you david really does feel like the playoffs have started you know a couple weeks early for the golden knights yeah and even you know pizza bar kind of mentioned this that the playoffs for him and and his group really started when he got there that he felt like right away they were kind of under pressure to ratchet up the intensity, ratchet up the performance, the execution, that, that they've pretty much had to play playoff hockey since mid-January, essentially. I, you know, I've always been of the opinion, I guess, or the impression that the teams that are in that spot and are playing kind of playoff hockey for a month or so and, and are really geared up, those are the teams that are kind of setting themselves up, I guess, best for the postseason. I feel like... You want to, you know, you don't want to go in like Tampa Bay last year, where you're just kind of coasting and everything's cool, and then you got to try to all of a sudden flip the switch. I think the position that the Knights are in right now, I guess maybe the benefit of being behind the eight ball a little bit for most of the year, 
was now they've really had to crank it up and now they understand, you know, the intensity level, the work ethic and, and the bar, how high it's set, where they have to, to be, I guess, at this point in the season, because, you know, like you said, and like they've said, everybody else is, is getting amped up. All the, you know, goaltenders are locked in. Everybody's kind of narrowing down, you know, their lineups. You, you don't see as, as many changes and things unless there's injuries. Mitch talked about this yesterday that it's, you know, it's kind of sizing up at, at this point in the season. You, you know who the potential playoff opponents are going to be. And when you go against them, now you're trying to see, okay, if we, if we see them in April, what are they going to be all about? Yeah. I mean, Mark Andre Fleury mentioned that before the road trip started too, that when you see teams like a Winnipeg and Edmonton, a Calgary, even a Minnesota coming up here, all teams that you could play in the first two rounds of the playoffs that you file some things away in the back of your head of, you know, for Flurry, probably what shooters' tendencies are. For skaters, probably what opposing goaltenders' tendencies are. It's all stuff that might come in handy down the road. And a quick go back to your point about them playing playing playoff hockey for a while. I mean, the Knights are fourth in points percentage since Pete DeBoer was hired at seven two seven. Only the Colorado Avalanche, Boston Bruins at you know number one. Shout out to them, the Philadelphia Flyers, who've been playing just fantastic lately. So the Knights have been putting their pedal to the metal, as you said, and it's been working for them. Now, the only thing that could, you know, disrupt what a run the Knights have been on is uh, these games potentially not taking place as scheduled or as planned right now. We have to at least talk about coronavirus and how it's affected, you know, everyone's lives. We should start out with that before we get into how it's really affected sports. It is something that's kind of spreading throughout the globe and it's a very serious topic and something that people should take seriously wash your hands everyone uh, i listen to uh, welcome to the black parade as i'm washing my hands it's really helpful but uh, specifically in terms of hockey we're now seeing the san jose sharks might have to adjust how their home games are being played locker rooms have been closed to uh, us the media there's continued reports especially in europe of games of European hockey leagues and of course European soccer leagues either playing games in front of empty stadiums or just canceling games all together. Uh, Dave, you've been with the team, the Knights, and with kind of, you know, different NHL teams these last couple of days. I mean, do we have any sense of where this kind of thing might head next? Can I go back to was that a Mike Chemical Romance reference in there? Yes, by the it way? was. Yes, it was. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to to inject a little humor into uh into what's obviously a very serious topic. Um it's it's been interesting, I guess you could say, in, in talking to the players and you know, asking them a little bit how it's affected things and, and their response. Uh one of the things I wrote about was Ryan Reeves and, and warm ups. Uh those guys love interacting with fans, whether it's walking through the tunnel high fiving stopping for a picture, signing an autograph or something really quick. Um, you know, all the stuff with the signs and the pucks and, and all that. And they basically kind of put all, all of that on hold uh, based on a memo from the NHL, kind of restricting contact with fans. Uh, you mentioned the media locker room and things like that. I mean, look, like you guys know me. I, I complain about everything. You know, it's kind of just like how I am. And most of the time, I'm not really serious about it. It's just like, uh, you know, I'm just going to blast it off and then and then feel better. And it's just kind of almost my way of humor about it. But I'm not going to complain one bit about the soccer room stuff. Um, obviously, it's an 
issue and you don't have to work around it and an affected you know deadline and all that but like people don't care like i know listeners and i know our readers don't give two hoots about you know my deadline and your deadline and, and things like that there's there's much more serious things you know kind of going on here but it, it has been interesting to kind of see um the way that the knights kind of handled everything the way that other teams have handled everything i, I mean we can get into a debate on whether it's you know, necessary or I guess whether it's effective. I mean, I, I'm a little skeptical of what's going to happen with the Knights once we get back to Vegas and how they're going to handle things. Like, are they going to bring everybody into like the video room? Because to me, I don't see how that is any different. If we're all sitting in a room that they're going to go watch a video in two hours later, if they're going to put us in the hallway, we're crammed, you know, three feet away from somebody and within two feet of, you know, everybody else in a media scrum, like there's a lot of little different things here that, you know, could, could kind of get picked out and complained about from, from our standpoint, you know, the media, but I'm not going to do that at all. Like they can, you know, do what, do what you got to do. Let's get through this. Let's get everybody healthy. Knock on wood. You know, nobody in the NHL is, is directly affected by this, you know, and, and hopefully it passes and then, and then we can move on. But yeah, for right now, I think everybody's just, you know, taking the necessary precautions, doing doing what they have to do to uh, to basically remain safe, and and that's the way it should be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been crazy how fast all of this has happened. And as you said, it's kind of you know a necessary e- evil. I don't necessarily love it, but I'm willing to accept it as a temporary thing for people's health because everyone's health should be the number one priority right now. But I mean, obviously, we've gone from you know a couple weeks ago, kind of have jokingly discussing like, oh man, like a couple guys had their, you know, sticks affected because stick factories in China had to close because of the threat of the virus and it kind of being this far away topic to all of a sudden, you know, it's here, it's home. We've had a couple cases in Southern Nevada. California's definitely had it. And now all of a sudden there's real, you know, precautions being taken kind of right directly in front of us. So it's crazy how this is all kind of snowballed and you get why because it's spreading super fast and like i said that's where i think it comes kind of hard to predict where this is going to go next because if you had told me you know a week or two ago that we would have closed locker rooms and that you know like the teams like the sharks when it comes to sap center whether they're going to have to potentially play in front of empty stands i would have thought that would have been nuts but then you know i'm watching italian soccer matches on twitter and i'm seeing uh guys kick the ball around with no one in their near vicinity so kind of i think there's a lot of stuff that's still on the table and we could be having a completely different discussion even a week from now i mean this is kind of where i'm at you know we'll talk about this a little bit but you know obviously chandler stevenson was a was a late scratch last night He, he was it was a game time decision and unfortunately my first thought was is he ill or is it an injury? And kind of same thing with Connor McDavid because he's been battling an illness. He didn't play last night. And my thought was like, okay, if this is an illness, you know, like, where are we at with everything? You know, are we, are we, are we cool? Are we in the clear? Is, is he all good? I, I mean, that's kind of my brain is naturally going that way right now. I, I think it's just on, on everybody's mind. And, and like you said, I mean, we'll see if it affects things in terms of, you know, empty arenas, if, if games are canceled, you know, and what have you. I mean, I know this isn't the, 
the same thing, but I was at a high school basketball game a whole bunch of years ago that was played in front of no fans, and there was a game-winning shot with like a second left, and it was the weirdest thing that nobody was there to actually like cheer. This guy hits a shot, and maybe like eight people are going crazy on the court. And it, it's just a surreal scene. I don't think anybody wants that to happen in the NHL. I, I mean, obviously, you know, do what they, you know, do what you got to do, Gary, Gary Bettman, and and Bill Daly. Um, you know, when I talked to spokespeople from the NHL last week about everything and where they were at, certainly they were monitoring things closely. They said they were talking to the other leagues, and then obviously we saw uh, kind of a joint statement with everybody closing locker rooms uh, and all that. So I'm sure it'll continue that way. They'll, you know, they'll talk to the other leagues. I'm sure they'll talk to, to Major League Baseball as, as baseball season starts to get ramped up here a little bit. Uh, obviously, NBA is kind of on a similar similar time schedule, um, you know, with, with the way the season is played. So we'll see how it all works out. Uh, and again, you know, I think that the main thing here is just let's just get through this, right? Let's just make sure that everybody's healthy. Let's just make sure that, you know, it doesn't turn into like, you know, a Spanish flu thing from 100 years ago. I think that's everybody's biggest fear right now. Yeah, totally. So everyone, make sure to wash your hands. Like I said, welcome to Black Parade. Great song. Don't touch your face. All that good stuff. And uh, we're going to come back and talk about more hockey things right after a quick break. Ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy? That's because they were never meant to be worn that way. Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked, no matter your size or shape. Their shirts are the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. Try Untuck It for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. All right, well, that'll conclude our, you know, disease talk for now. As I said, everyone, I, uh, take your health very seriously at this time. It's super important, and we'll see kind of how things shake out from here. Um, but you mentioned Chandler Stevenson kind of in that last segment, Dave, and that was just one of many pieces of bad injury news the Golden Knights have received recently. I, of course, already mentioned Mark Stone is out week to week. Um, and then you found out, uh, when you were in Winnipeg, I believe that Cody Glass had knee surgery. He is done for the year uh, on this trip. It was also announced that Alex Tuck, who was eligible to return last night from long-term injured reserve against the Edmonton Oilers, had a setback with his lower body body injury, and he is being reevaluated here in Las Vegas. And of course, Chandler Stevenson is now dealing with something uh, that I believe Pete DeBoer said he is hoping is not serious. Uh, let's start with Cody Glass, since he's the one that we know for sure is out for the year. I mean, this has got to be a tough break for you know Cody Glass, who's already dealt with a couple injuries his rookie season, and then he goes back to the AHL just to kind of you know get his legs back under him to kind of get back in the rhythm and speed of playing a professional hockey game. Gets a bad hit, is now done for the year. I mean, that's a tough way for your first year in the NHL to end. Yeah, and I mean, he's, you know, it goes back even to last year in juniors when he had the knee injury that, that this has been, you know, something he's had to battle through. 
I mean, you know, hopefully it doesn't affect them too much long term. I mean, we'll see. Uh, obviously, they didn't come out and say it was like an ACL or something, but I think you can, you know, probably deduce that from the timetable and, you know, Pete DeBoer's, I guess, kind of reaction and, and things to to uh, informing us, I, I, I guess, about the injury. I mean, it, it seems pretty clear it's not a sprain. Um, you know, he underwent surgery and they're not expecting him back anytime soon. They're hopeful he's back at training camp. So, you know, that's a, what, six-month timetable? That, that's pretty close to, like, what an ACL would be. We've seen guys, you know, come back from ACL injuries. I, you know, Joe Thornton, like, played on a torn ACL, I think, you know, last year or two years ago, I think I read, you know. So it's not something that should prevent Cody Glass from developing into the player everybody thinks he should be. It's obviously, you know, is, is a setback. But, you know, maybe he comes back stronger. Maybe this is a chance for him to, to continue to work and, and pack muscle onto that frame. Clearly, it's something that, you know, he needs to do and, and get stronger. I don't think that's a secret. I don't necessarily think that that's why he was hurt. Uh, it seemed, you know, just a, a weird play. It was like he was kind of cutting through the slot, trying to, to get to a pass and, and almost more ran into Michael Rasmussen. It, it, I mean, it was like a collision almost more as opposed to absorbing a hit. And then... Like at first glance, when you see the hit, it actually looked like it might have been like a shot to the head, and, and you're kind of worried about another concussion with him. And then you watch it a little closer, and you can kind of see his, the, the way that his knee buckles. Um, so it's pretty obvious that, that that's what happened. But yeah, tough break for him. Uh, we'll see what happens, you know, once he gets back into the training camp and, and for next year. But again, at least long term, I wouldn't expect it to uh, to be anything that you know hampers his uh, his career or anything. Yeah, Cody Glass ends his rookie season with 12 points in 39 games. He ended up playing a lot of right wing as a rookie, which, as you mentioned, Dave, if he's going to kind of keep up at that, he's definitely going to need to pack on muscle. Even if they move him back to his natural center position where he's probably much better 5-on-5, five five, he's going to need to beef up a little bit just to kind of take the punishment that an NHL season provides. But he's not the only young player the Golden Knights uh, still have injured, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Alex Tuck had a setback, which is just the latest in a long string of disappointments for Tuck this season. It's been a really tough go for him. He's had a lot of injuries. He's only played in 42 games. And when he's been out on the ice, he hasn't been as effective as he definitely was last season when he had kind of had a breakout year with you know 50-plus points. He was the Knights' leading scorer at the trade deadline. Just really looked good. And now... You know, it's another tough blow where now it's up uh, in the air when he's actually going to get back on the ice for this team. Yeah, and so last week when he was out there skating in the non-contact jersey during practice, he was up on the second line. And it kind of felt like, okay, Mark Stone's out and Alex Tuck's going to come back and this is a chance, you know, for him to get back into the top six and, and, you know, maybe produce, get some confidence, you know, get on a roll going into the postseason, all the things that the Knights you know, really need from, from him at this point. And then, yeah, you know, it, it kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. I, I mean, I'll tell you this. So we saw him practice, obviously, non-contact. And then when we got to Calgary after the Winnipeg game, he didn't skate, which I thought was a little bit unusual. And as we were doing the interviews in the hallway, he was riding the stationary bike. Um, and in retrospect, especially, you kind of think about, okay, that, that was probably a clear indication that something wasn't quite right. Like, why wasn't he on the ice with everybody? 
during practice on Saturday if he had practiced a couple days before in Vegas. So I don't know if he, you know, maybe tweaked something along there, if he got off the plane in Winnipeg or if there was some, some off-ice conditioning and something happened. I got the feeling that they didn't think it was anything major. Pete board termed it a minor setback. Uh, so he went back and, you know, like you had mentioned at the top, the team kind of altered its schedule a little bit. And they were originally going to go from Edmonton to Minnesota. They've now gone back to Vegas and then they're going to go to Minnesota. So I think that's part of the reason why Tuck was sent home early uh, was just because he knew that, you know, everybody knew that the team was going to meet up with him. At that point, I think they could evaluate everything and then we'll see if he's able to go on the trip uh, to Minnesota you know, and or Colorado at that point. But again, I, it kind of sounded more like a, like a temporary thing. You know, maybe it knocks him out for the whole road trip. Maybe it knocks him out for the Minnesota game and he comes back to Colorado. But I would expect Alex Tuck to be back pretty soon. But again, with all, with all of this stuff, you know, like who knows? I mean, the other side of it too is they want to make sure everybody is 100% healthy going into the postseason. I think that's, that's a, a high priority as well. Yeah, totally, as it should be. But, you know, as you mentioned, even a little bit of delay for Tuck is going to be a bummer for him because that second line right wing spot is kind of sitting for him out there right now. I mean, that's obviously the spot he thrived in last year. And then, you know, his kind of production dipped as soon as he got moved down to the third line once they acquired Mark Stone. Now there might be a slightly less of a runway for him to kind of own that job until Stone gets back. Stone is expected by the end of the regular season to be back in the Golden Knights lineup. And then the last injury we got to talk about is, of course, Chandler Stevenson, who did not play. Let me, can I, oh, sorry, can I cut you off real quick? I wanted to jump in just real quick about the tuck stuff because I wanted to mention how well Nick Law is playing in that. Really well. I mean, he he, is, he might have been their best player the last couple games, to be quite honest. So, you know, we're talking about this opportunity that Tuck may have had and, and this opening that was there, but Nick Waugh has really grabbed the spot. I, I mean, I don't see him out of the lineup at this point. Obviously, he was reassigned. I think that was more cap things as they've tried to accrue a little space here. Um, you know, with Tuck set to probably come off long-term IR pretty soon. But Nick Waugh has been really, really, really impressive, and, and I did want to make make sure to mention that. Sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Nick Waugh has definitely been really good. He's fit in at uh, right wing much better than I really expected him to. The first game, they kind of tried him out in that spot uh, on the third line. He just didn't look like he quite knew where to be, where to go. And now he's just playing with so much confidence with William Carlson and Max Pacioretty. Uh, we'll see if Waugh ends up getting moved off wing when Tuck gets back because the Knights are currently down one center. Chandler Stevenson did not play uh, yesterday against the Edmonton Oilers, which what I believe Pete DeBoer termed, you know, he's hoping is a minor injury. Uh, so we'll see. Stevenson has, of course, been a really good kind of Swiss Army knife for the Golden Knights. He's played really well in elevated minutes. He's really affected the game, I think, lately in lower minutes as the third line center. He's had some really nice breakup passes to start the rush for the Knights. So that's another you know, kind of hit that they're taking short term here. Uh, the Knights have the actually seventh fewest man games lost due to injury in the NHL as of March 5th. So they've been relatively healthy all year, but I mean, we just rattled off. There's a long list of uh, injuries that they're all of a sudden kind of dealing with in March, which as you said, maybe, you know, they got, they want to get healthy for April for sure. Yeah. And just to kind of speak a little bit to like Stevenson's effectiveness, especially with Nick Cousins. So, 
together with Nick Cousins, I'm kind of I'm looking at natural stat trick here. Six games, they have a 62.5% Corsi. Uh, let's see here, 53.9% expected goal share. Like they've been really that that line. I mean, kind of where I'm going with this is that line, especially even with Brandon Peary there too. They've they've been really good. Chandler Stevenson and Cousins seem to have, have developed a little bit of chemistry. One of the things I asked Stevenson about the other day is, is you know, maybe how surprising or or important, I guess, uh, Nick Cousins' playmaking has been. For me, that's that's been an element that I didn't expect from him. We heard so much about him, you know, kind of being an agitator and a disturber and all that stuff. And then you see him make a play like he did on the two-on-one in Calgary, you know, to, to set up Nick Holden for the goal, he's he's found some some really nice passes, made some really good looks in, in his six games, uh, six or seven games, excuse me, with the Knights. So, you know, not having Stevenson there again, we go back to, you know, is the third line going to be effective or is it going to be a black hole for the Knights here? It, they seem to have finally hit something with those two. So we'll see if it's, if it's a short-term thing, uh, you know, again, Pete DeBoer did say he didn't expect it to be serious, but you never know, which I interpret as an injury as opposed to illness. So, again, we'll see. You know, he's being evaluated today probably as we speak. I don't know if we'll get a, an update on that un, until maybe tomorrow morning uh, when the Knights practice. But, again, I think it's probably a little bit more precaution right now just to make sure, look, you know, we have a three-point cushion here. We're, we're playing pretty well. Let's make sure that that our key guys are not going to have anything lingering going into the playoffs. Yeah, totally. And you can definitely understand that from the Knights' perspective. I mean, you can understand, as you mentioned, I mean, Nick Cousins, Nicholas Watt, these are guys that because they're playing so well, the Knights have been able to weather this storm of injuries. They've got that three-point lead in the Pacific Division right now. They swept that really important back-to-back because that their lineup is deep right now, not just top-heavy. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. My thanks to Dave for joining us on the phone in Alberta. Thanks to Reed for producing. Thanks to Estian Sports Mobile from Station Casinos for sponsoring the show. Untuck it for presenting us. Remember to check out all our coverage at ReviewJournal.com, everyone. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do with podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face and make sure to check out this podcast again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.